Welcome to NFT Talent Talk, where we explore the people of Web3 and their impact on the future of technology. My name is Sander Gunson, and I'll be your host through this exciting journey towards NFT Talent. Today, we have William Entrican with us, who is a blockchain researcher and the lead author for ERC721, the NFT standard powering the likes of Decentraland and OpenSea. He's also a champion for promoting intellectual property and preventing fraud using blockchain. Together, we'll be diving into the world of NFTs and blockchain, and we'll discuss William's role in shaping the future of the tech industry. So sit back, grab a banana, relax, and let's get started. Very happy to have you here, William. My pleasure. Yeah, and for those that... We've got a lot of good stuff. Yeah, lots of good stuff happening uh, within the whole web free space as well as, well as uh, just uh, uh, us here in uh, NFT Tallinn. And uh, for those that missed it uh, during last year, then uh, William actually joined us as a speaker already there uh, and was delivering uh, lots of good value. And, uh, and this year, uh, he is uh, joining us again. But before we go uh, deeper into that, uh, I actually wanted to use this as an opportunity to dig deeper into uh, who is William and uh, how did ERC721 even uh, get started? Because for those that uh, might not know, then uh, William uh, was the uh, leading author for ERC721 back in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 2017, right? Yep, right at the end of that. Yeah, so uh, let's, let's start with the question. How did you... Uh, uh, get started with uh, uh, with that, and uh, what was the story behind all of this? Yeah, I was I was really inspired by CryptoKitties. So I saw this project coming out onto the scene. They were selling pictures of cats, and meanwhile, my friend had been putting into my ear that I should look into Ethereum, I should look into blockchain, and look into Web three, look into this thing that's coming in the future. And so this is what's going on in both my, my eyes and my ears right then. And I didn't see it. You know, I really just didn't see this future people were talking about. I was really uh, looking at what was happening out there. And I just saw Bitcoin, which was primarily used to buy, you know, heroin and just terrible actual use cases of everything people are calling blockchain scams. Everything was scams. We didn't have enough pictures to copy paste. Like it was literally just scams all day and drug money. And I said, I want to stay pretty far away from this because this is not going to go anywhere. And then I saw these pictures of cats. And I said, this is a mainstream, viable use case that has nothing to do with fentanyl. This is great. And I said, okay, there's a future in this. And then I started getting into the scene. I saw other people and they're like, okay, I'm inspired too. I'm like, great, let's talk. And I said, well, what are you working on? They said, well, I want to take these pictures of cats and make pictures of dogs so I can make millions of dollars too. And then I'm like, okay, that, that, that's cool. Talk to the next person. They're like, okay, well, I want to make pictures of this. And I want to make pictures of that. And they're all just making copies of CryptoKitties. And then I looked at this. I said, okay, these are not, you know, that, that's not big enough. There's actually a lot going on here. Like I'm looking at YouTube in what, 2005, I'm looking at these pictures, videos of cats, and I'm like, well, this is going to change the world. And some other people are, well, I'm just going to put pictures of my cats on there. So it's like, 
this is what I saw. I saw I saw a whole new world opening up. I saw great timing on this stuff, and I didn't really. Everybody wants to do it, but they just couldn't agree on things. They they wouldn't put in the time to standardize this. That's how I got sucked into this. I'm like, all right, well, this is something I can do, and I just happened to have some great experience, and the timing was great. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to dedicate whatever I can to make NFT work. And when I'm talking about NFTs, I'm not just talking about pictures of cats. And what's great about NFT Tallinn is that we got through this whole thing last year. We barely even saw pictures of anything. We, we talked about, we talked to government. We talked to, we had lawyers. I mean, we had industry. We got really into all the different use cases. And I was really impressed. And I was like, okay, well, this is, this is where I want to be. Like, this is, I got to be in Tallinn. I got to talk to these people again. Um, this Tallinn is basically, I would say, the biggest industry event I've ever been to in terms of non-JPEG use cases of NFT. And I'm just going to say non-JPEG, non-scam purposes of blockchain in general. Thank you for uh, those kind words towards us. And at the same time, uh, yeah, uh, cats. And, uh, and similar to you, uh, it was uh, a long time ago when I was initially introduced to the world of blockchain with Bitcoin being first. And uh, it took me a very long time to really get interested in all of this for the same reason that uh, uh, we had seen various types of uh, coins pop up uh, here in Estonia as well. And so most of it was just uh, scams or for drug money. So uh, this didn't get us uh, started, but only once uh, the uh, NFT scene was already uh, blooming, uh, starting from like 2017, 18. Uh, that's when I uh, started looking into all of this. Um, but I understand that uh, it wasn't uh, just uh, just you uh, in the beginning uh, there, because the pictures of cats uh, were done by, for those that don't know, the project uh, CryptoKitties. Uh, which I understand initially was not uh, on uh, any standard like that. And then uh, it was together with uh, uh, the team uh, behind uh, the Flow blockchain or what was uh, soon coming to become uh, Flow blockchain that you started working on ERC721, right? Right. So I'm not the creator. The creator is Dieter Shirley from Axiom Zen, um, Flow, uh, I forgot their new name. Of that, that group, but um, that group, you know, the group that brought you NFT Top Shot and CryptoKitties and Flow, he was a CTO, maybe still is, and he's working on CryptoKitties. And they, they realized that they needed to have a smart contract behind this and they built it. They built it in a new way. And then he said, well, we should standardize this. So he started working on an EIP, which happened to be EIP 721, just the next number they gave out. And he starts working on it. And um, it, as he, was working on it, something happened. It's that CryptoKitties just started selling out. They were just going crazy. I mean, if you were around 2017, it's like they, they literally broke the internet. They broke the web three. It was just, there's too many cats, not enough pipes to push them through. And it was just going crazy. So of the two initiatives he was working on, pictures of cats and standardizing NFTs, uh, one of them really took his attention. And so this thing just sat there, which is cool. Because ERC-20 took two years to get through. And they were only a few months in ERC-721. So this is like still, quote, fast in the pace of things. And the issue is that a lot of other people really wanted to get involved in this. But there was no <laughs> this is a centralization problem, right? 
there's no leadership. There's no person who's in the middle of this pushing it forward. And that's when I said, uh, I, I don't have to be in the middle of this. I don't have to be on the side of it. I will sweep the floors. I'm just going to push this forward. And however we get there, we're going to get there as fast as we can because this has to get done. So that's how I got connected with him. Um, Jacob Evans, also involved, um, brought a lot of contributions and then also started writing text. And, you know, it's, it was really, it was a very collaborative effort. And they don't like this anymore, the EIP people, but there's a lot of shout outs in ERC721 if you've read it because there's a lot of people working on this and some of the decisions in there were standardizing. So we're, we're telling you what you have to do and what you can't do. Right. And so who am I to make those decisions? You know, this is a really big thing. So who am I to tell you what you can and can't do to make an NFT? And, um, and the answer is I'm, it's not, not using my authority. I don't have any authority. What I'm using is the, I guess it's politics, but the connections with all of the people that are interested in this stuff. And I've, I've called everybody. I'm calling everybody on the phone. You know, what do you think? How do we improve this? Uh, you know, do you agree with this? Do you not agree with this? That's, that's what went into this. That, that's the hustle to get this involved. So you might only see four authors on this paper and a few names inside, but basically everybody on the scene touched this. There was conferences everywhere. Uh, Denver, uh, Philadelphia had two. And we just, we pushed this. And so there's a lot of cooks in this. And uh, it worked out. Awesome. And then I understand that uh, once uh, ERC721 was out there and uh, uh, there were started to happen all those events with uh, people uh, talking and starting to build things in uh, with this new standard, then uh, soon uh, everyone and their mother started to want to do new cats and dogs and everything else based on uh, uh, this standard, right? Yeah. So that was the that was the early years. That was the that's when CryptoKitties blew up and everybody saw, I don't know if it's the opportunities or they, they saw the, everything's an opportunity. Okay, so they, they saw the opportunity for them. They weren't very imaginative in 2018. And the things that were launched in 2018 were pretty copycat stuff. And that's great. You know, that's all part of it. Yeah, but already then, uh, you and uh, other people were thinking about uh, what uh, these... Uh, uh, new NFTs could actually be uh, used uh, for, uh, and uh, and this led to various different uh, real-world uh, use cases. So um, I've understood that uh, that's when you started thinking about both uh, the use cases in supply chain as well as uh, in licensing. But how did it all uh, get to that point? I actually was studying. So as I was working on NFT, I realized that this was going. I was working on this and right from the beginning, as soon as I saw these pictures of cats and I've realized how they work, I've realized this is going to be, you know, this, this is, this is an opportunity to like standardize email. Like imagine being in that room. Okay. We're, we're chatting with a bunch of people and we're going to make this thing called email and probably the whole world's going to use it. That's where I am. I'm, I know this is going to be, people ask me, is this as big as you expect? Yes. This is what I was expecting. So in order to do that, in order to get here, you have to respect that. You have to respect the size of this thing. And so I had to study. I had to say, okay, well, you know, don't think about pictures of cats. Think about industry. Think about where this is going to be in 10 years. Write these things down. 
And so if you read ERC-721, it's, it's meant to be read. It's not meant, it's not, you know, it's a little bit of nerd stuff, but it, it is meant to be read. We're even talking about things that haven't come out yet, like debts, negative value stuff, soul-bound tokens. These weren't in the scene in 2017, but we had to think about that. How do you think about it? I started going to, um, I looked at two industries. One of them was intellectual property. So this is called licensing. And this is how you can get, you walk in the room, you can get Oreo, you can get Oreos to agree to let you use pictures of Oreos on socks and you can sell those socks. And um, if you're in the United States and you go to Five Below, I don't know if they have them out, out west, but there's, you're starting to see these licensing deals. They're, they're really getting creative with this stuff. Like I got a, I got a, a Sriracha, you know, the spice card mm-hmm. game. There's a Sriracha card game. Obviously not made by Sriracha because right next to it is Pop-Tarts card game. And so someone's going out there, they're buying a license for Sriracha and Pop-Tarts and they're putting out card games and they're selling them for five bucks at five below. This is great stuff. So I'm studying this. I'm thinking, well, how do these deals work? Because there's a lot of people involved in closing one of these deals. So we have a brand. It's authentic. It's, there's tracking of the payments. It's going through a lot of different hands. There's a lot of risk of fraud or and there's a high cost to audit this stuff. I'm not saying blockchain's the answer, but I'm saying that this is, this is the world. Like this is what business looks like. So if we're going to work on NFTs and we're going to think long-term, this is the world we live in. So I had to go study that stuff. So I went there. Um, I saw the way that different licensing deals works. One of my former clients was in these licensing deals. I signed the licensing deals. Another one, totally other end, is pharmaceuticals, drugs. And in the United States, under Obamacare, there's a, there's a thing inside the Obamacare law, which still hasn't gone into effect, if you can believe it, um, where drugs will have to be serialized and tracked on a ledger that is interoperable across systems, across vendors. And this is going to help with drug supply chain security. It's called the Drug Supply Chain Security Act, part of one of the, one of the parts of Obamacare. And um, people are actually using NFTs for this stuff. Drug companies are using NFTs today in production for drugs. Live, not on you know any network that you would use, <clears throat> you know some probably a private network or a consortium or something like that. But these are real problems, and so this is what I was studying in 2018, thinking that this is where we're going to get to. I mean, I can fully guess how NFTs are going to look with JPEGs. You know, tomorrow, five years from now, hundred years from now, we, we've explored as far as you can go with pictures of cats, pictures of things, JPEGs copy-pastable JPEGs. We figured that out real fast. And there's a lot more ground to cover because we're on the frontier. Yeah. And I understand that uh, this has actually led uh, people to um, start working on uh, a host of variety of uh, kind of like advancements of NFT standards. So there's uh, the uh, ERC, uh, I think it's 1155. And so then... uh, uh, there is something built by the secret network where they have uh, metadata that can be uh, private and at the same time other metadata that's public and everything else. How do you uh, look at all those uh, uh, new standards that are coming uh, basically on the basis of this uh, ERC-721? And uh, uh, is it that something was initially missing uh, from uh, this original 
standards to really uh, start doing all those applications that you were at that point uh, looking at? Or is it purely uh, copycat syndrome in this case? Well, ERC 1155 is a different thing than ERC 721. And it enables one really important use case. Um, if people know what a fungible token is, an ERC 20, then it's kind of like a thing you would spend, a spendable thing, you know, a bunch of, it's kind of like money or votes or something like that. What 1155 allows you to do is it allows you to have one smart contract with all different kinds of spendable things. And that's how a lot of stuff works, especially games. So I don't play Candy Crush, but I think if you open Candy Crush, there's like leaves or something and you have to spend the leaves. And then maybe there's like some other thing you can spend. There's multiple things you can spend. And collectible card games, you know, you have multiple of these things and you have to trade them and it doesn't really matter. This is a fungible, so I'm not going to explain what fungible is if you don't know already. But, you know, if there's different, there's health, there's health points and then there's like mana points or something like that. That really makes sense for ERC 1155. And in fact, that team that made it, that's what they were working on. So, you know, they had a good reason for that. Turns out you can also use this stuff for NFTs as well. And some people do because it's uh, there's, there's a specific reason they do that, which is fine too. It's all love. So these things, you know, I, I use 1155. I use it for different things and, you know, I, I recommend it. It's good stuff. We, what we don't have is we don't have like 50 different types of NFT. Basically everything's compatible. That was the whole point of standardizing this right now from if you're, if you're older and you've been using email since like when it came out, then, you know, emails had a pretty good run. I mean, even today, email is basically the same. Maybe you got autocomplete in Gmail, but every email still connects to every other email. You don't have like, oh, you can only email people on Facebook because you have to have Facebook email. Like there's none of that. So email's pretty good. It's been around for 40 years or something. And right, NFTs are pretty good. You can make your own NFT. You don't have to call OpenSea for permission and you can just sell it on OpenSea and you can sell the same thing on X2Y2. So it's, that's what we wanted. That's what we delivered is the interoperability and the awareness and the composability that we take for granted because it worked. Like mission accomplished. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that's how uh, all those different games now are being built and all the other applications where you can take one of those entities that has been made for a specific collection or a specific game and uh, use it also in uh, your game uh, or at least allow access if, uh, if the owners want to come and uh, use it. Well, that's going to be tough. So technology-wise, we're done. That, that works already, technology-wise. On the permission and legal side, now we have to maybe standardize or at least think about what do we want to do here? So we've got to think about, do we want these things to connect? And now we're into who's, who, has the, like, who has ownership of these ideas, the intellectual property, who owns these pictures? You know, you are the owner of the token. Does that mean you own the picture? In the past, <clears throat> these questions don't really matter because people don't care because we're all hackers doing new stuff. So five years ago, if you bought some NFT and you call them on the phone, cause you could just get these people's phone numbers back in the day, you're like, Hey, can I use this here? And they'd be like, yeah, whatever. Now 
when you have Donald Trump making his own NFT, you can't call him on the phone. And if you did call him on the phone and you're like, hey, can I use this thing some other way? He's gonna be like, who are you talking about? I didn't even make this NFT. I had an artist make it. And it wasn't even me, it was a studio. And I don't even know about this NFT. Somebody else bought a license to do this thing. So an NFT created by Donald Trump is a totally different experience than a picture of a cat created by some enthusiasts. As these people, as these celebrities or game studios or traditional game studios or other people's come into the market, they're going to bring the way that they do business into this scene. As the scene grows, you're going to have more perspectives. This is diversity of perspective. You know, the first uh, NFT NYC didn't have lawyers at it. Now I go to NFT Tallinn, we've got regulators. We've got a whole panel with government, right? Like that's a different perspective that we didn't even think about. Anti-money laundering. Yeah, that's something you need to worry about. Like this is not like 2012 Bitcoin where laws don't exist. This is the real world where when you talk about stuff at events, there's regulators there. So that's the future is going to be a little bit different. And it's going to have more opinions taken in. Yeah, and and that's where it's important to understand that uh, uh, NFTs themselves are simply uh, containers for information. They're a standardized way how to store this information and how to share this, uh, the access of this information. However, they don't particularly always uh, include the information itself, uh, nor do they have any of the legal rights built into it. So that's all something that uh, the teams around uh, would have to building themselves so whether it is they them making it a uh, creative commons license or uh, still holding all of the license and same way whether it's uh, them storing the information that's linked uh, via the nft on a decentralized cloud or uh, somewhere where they could easily delete the content and uh, when it comes to now you william how do you see uh, like, is there a one path forward type of thing uh, to all of this? Uh, or uh, will we now have to be working on uh, through all of this over the course of the next uh, ball cycle and everything else before we will have any uh, full answers? <clears throat> I think we're still early. This is kind of almost be the transition on this stuff. I think I think the point we're at right now, it's still one community. We're all still focused on where a lot of people that are making money are focused on sending pictures, selling pictures of whatever. And that's going to continue next year. But we're going to have more established people coming into the scene. So they're going to be doing the same thing next year as they were doing last year. Just new people coming in. As that grows and as we get more creativity and we start delivering some of these ideas we're talking about, you're going to see more specialization. So there's going to be more industry-focused stuff. Yeah, You're going to have to um, do the same thing over and over within each industry. We're, luckily, you can still get all the NFT people that care about a certain thing in the same room. But in the future, we're not going to have that. True. And, and that's where, at the moment... Uh, for most people, it seems that uh, NFT's uh, main use case is still just in these uh, digital assets, uh, whether it's being uh, 
a um, picture or music or some game asset, but uh, we are seeing more and more of uh, real-world utilities. I think the uh, latest ones being with the uh, Starbucks and uh, Polygon uh, starting uh, some new projects uh, a little bit more closer to us here in uh, Baltics Nordics. Uh, it's uh, the airline Air Baltics uh, that has launched their NFT collection that uh, kind of works like a loyalty card where if you're flying with them, uh, at some points they're giving you free business class access. But uh, it is a little bit different than just a loyalty card because it is all on blockchain and uh, thus uh, they have various ways how other people could be building on top of the same IP potentially. But William, uh, from your perspective, what are the biggest use cases that you're seeing uh, currently built out and uh, maybe some of the most innovative ways people are looking to uh, utilize uh, NFTs? You said build out, so that's a very limiting. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer the, I'm gonna answer you. It could be a surprise. What are the biggest, most notable build outs happening right now that are creative? A Reddit avatars. So they barely even use the word blockchain on their website. You have to really find it. But the Reddit avatars are blockchain assets or can convert to blockchain assets. Like don't forget your password or you lose it. And two is Instagram. Uh, Instagram's allowing you to sell pictures directly from your Instagram account. So the novelty here, the thing that makes this important is why this is, why this is going to work. This is going to be worth a lot. And as it, you know, as it rolls out fully or I don't know how much of it is deployed or, but I've seen it. Like I've seen, I've seen the Instagram thing. It looks great. The reason why is because you're not selling pictures. You're selling reputation. Donald Trump is selling pictures of him dressed like Superman or something with a flag or whatever. I don't know why. But when you buy that, you're not buying it because you are just waiting to get a picture of Donald Trump dressed like Superman. That's not why you're doing it. You're buying it is because you want or because you think somebody else will value him making money for some reason, right? That the value is the connection to the creator. It's a little bit different than CryptoKitties, which is kind of a game and possibly GameFi because you can breed them. But Instagram, allowing you to mint directly from Instagram, removes one of the steps. It directly connects the reputation, which is how many followers you have on Instagram versus the thing you're selling. In the past, you had to go from Instagram to OpenSea or wherever to mint the thing, and then you have to buy it, and then you have to create an account. So those, those steps... That's the funnel. The funnel is your reputation to making a sale. Um, I don't think people like open up, you know, they don't, they don't find an ad on TV like, hey, I'm going to jump into OpenSea and that's where I'm going to get started in the scene. That's not how it works. Somebody has to bring you in. And so that's why I think the innovation that Instagram has is, is really impactful. Sorry if that's not the angle you were looking for. No, no, it's, it's perfectly right angle. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, it is always great to see when uh, the biggest players uh, online, uh, or at least those that used to be the uh, biggest players uh, in the digital realms, are starting to embrace a new technology. Uh, that said, uh, when we look now uh, a little bit uh, further off from uh, uh, those uh, digital so uh, solution providers, 
then uh, what type of other uh, users uh, do you see now emerging for, for this technology? Absolutely. Now that's a better question. That's something I care about more. Things that are not shipping today, but basically anything that costs more than $500 US, I guess I'm going to say there, anything more than $500 that you buy should have a serial number. Serial numbers are actually hard to make, if you can believe it, and attached to products for lots of reasons we don't talk about right now. It's like the supply chain problems. When it's like <laughs> you're in the United States, there's no COVID, everybody's working, you know, the roads are fine, you can, there's toilet paper, right? And then you're like, well, why does the cost of food, why is it double? And they're like, supply chain. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, the farmers are local, the people are here, everybody's working, the unemployment's low. Like, why does my food cost double? Supply chain. Or why, why is this? And then just like supply chain. Supply chain is very hard. <laughs> it is hard to understand. There's a lot going on, right? But, and, and it is hard to put serial numbers on things, but they will do it. The sellers of things want to reduce fraud. The cost of serializing things is going down. And serial numbers, stamping them on them, digital certificates, NFTs. Honestly, I don't care if you use NFTs. I'm not in it for the NFTs. I'm not in it for the technology. I'm not in it for the blockchain. I just bought my first NFT recently, this year, last year. So I'm not in it to trade or any of this stuff. I'm in it because of the promise of a future where we're going to have better supply chains. We're going to have things that you can track. Um, I don't care about kosher, but I care about kosher. So if you would buy something that's kosher and you want to verify that, how would you do that? That is something I want to be possible. So... I want you to be able to verify these claims. And this is going to require serial numbers, tracking stuff, kind of the procedures we use for ISO 9000, ISO 14000, environmental standards. Um, There's different standards out there in terms of how do you make stuff in engineering? How do you track inputs and outputs of your manufacturing processes? How do you do recalls? These are all the problems we're solving. But at the front line, at the retail level, when you buy something more than $500, it's worth tracking. So these are the use cases we are seeing coming out with NFTs. Because they've got enough money, you know, something that costs retails $500, they have a, a few dollars R&D, or maybe if it's a luxury good or something, they can afford to put serial numbers on it. And there's, they're starting to see some of the value of connecting the product to some type of a digital thing. Some people call this digital twin or just a certificate of authenticity. But... Whatever it is, it connects together and it opens new use cases. So you should totally do it if you sell products that are more than $500. Long-term, we get that down to 100 And I guess it's the gas fees. That's the main reason why we can't go below 100 or whatever the rate is. No, no, no. It's, um, it's the actual... It's, the optimization curve here, so we've got an optimization problem. The, the thing that we're up against is the difficulty of manufacturing and supply chain. The supply chain is the problem here. It's hard to make T-shirts that cost $50 and put serial numbers on the T-shirts. That is a hard thing to do. It is not hard to take luxury purses and put in a piece of paper that you sell with the purse. You literally put the piece of paper in the purse, you put the purse in a bag, or plastic wrap, or however you sell the purse, and you sell it together. When we buy t-shirts, t-shirts don't come in plastic bags. 
they just come on a rack or $50 t-shirts come off of the, you know, if off a hanger in a store. So they're just different ways that we sell shirts versus luxury bags. That's, so it's not about the price point or the gas fees. These are all technology problems. We eat that for breakfast. This is about real world supply chain problems. True. Uh, and it's also uh, awesome to already see how NFTs have been actually used on uh, various pieces of uh, clothing. Uh, so I was uh, recently in Miami and uh, people there uh, were wearing uh, different types of uh, T-shirts and uh, hoodies and everything else, which had a uh, uh, NFC built into it. Uh, so you could uh, go tap it with your phone and it would uh, uh, get you onto a page right away. And this uh, page uh, actually uh, was containing a bunch of information was on an NFT. I'm not sure how practical it is, but it's, it's already uh, working like that. Love it. Okay. Uh, is there anything else uh, that you're seeing uh, currently uh, discussed about, uh, which isn't even uh, close to uh, actual uh, use case. Yeah, we're talking about social networks. There's a lot of ideas that are just perpetually five years out, which I don't think are going to happen. And people are talking, oh, we're going to have a social network connected to Web3. I don't think that's ever going to happen. The, the reason why a lot of people want to do these things is because they want to somehow attach money to every time you tweet. I don't feel like that's a... That's something we could have done at any point. We could have attached money to tweets. We could have super follow. But that's just not, that's just not there. People don't want that. Also, GameFi. There's a lot of stuff in GameFi where they're like, I'm going to make a game and people are going to pay me every time they jump. I just don't see that as something people want. So right now, you're getting a lot of, you're hearing about a lot of these people starting these projects maybe they're even funded but these are kind of more like developer dreams versus like game designer dreams so a lot of these use cases are there they're long term they're out there but i think they're not viable because the wrong people are dreaming true uh, i guess uh, if you just want to attach uh, money uh, to uh, something then don't particularly need to have nfts for that uh, you can already use uh, any other type of uh, uh, tokens or even uh, non-blockchain assets to uh, do that. Yeah. Quick banana break. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about an event I'm organizing. NFT Tallinn, the biggest web-free event in Northern and Eastern Europe. NFT Tallinn is your bridge to Europe, where the brightest minds in the industry come together to discuss and present the latest trends and developments in a nascent web-free world. The main event will be held from May 8th to 10th and will feature keynote speakers, panel discussions, networking opportunities, VIP dinners and more. In addition, the community will host hackathons, side events and much more throughout the week starting May 5th. Tickets are available now. To learn more and secure your ticket, visit nfttalin.com. It's an event well worth your time. Previously, you mentioned that uh, uh, lawyers and regulators and everything, everyone else are now getting uh, active into the space. Uh, 
because there's a bunch of uh, questions uh, that we still need to figure out. Uh, when it comes to you specifically, then uh, what is the uh, main angle that you're currently uh, looking uh, from this space? And uh, what are you looking forward to uh, in the next uh, uh, four, five, ten years? So immediately in front of us is a huge problem with blockchain stuff is a lot of them are securities. This was mentioned by the director or possibly the director of the SEC in the United States Securities and Exchange Commission just came out and said all a majority of the tokens listed on coin market cap are securities. Just flat out said it. And I was like, okay, that's pretty specific. That's probably true. That's a, I got to qualify that. You know, it's not legal advice and who knows, you know, and even if it is true, who knows if they're going to come after people for that. It's very interesting. But if you're launching a product you and you don't think it's a security, it'll, you'll be very sad if the SEC comes at you and says, you are selling a security. This is something a lot of people that are building products are making things that they're dreaming up ideas that are very security-like. And then usually the way these products work is you have an idea, you want to make some type of a Ponzi scheme or whatever, and then you think about it and you're like, okay, this is what I want to build. And you talk to five people and they're like, that's illegal. And you think, okay, what's the minimum I can do to still do that, but then make it look like something else or break one of the legs off the table so that it's not that. That's, that's what a lot of people are doing right now. They're not really respecting the law. They're, not, they're absolutely not respecting the spirit of the laws related to securities and disclosures and these things. So that is, that is part of the legal aspect that people really need to understand. Like, even if we just had a topic on what is this spirit of the law? I've not seen that. What is, why do we have these laws? Maybe people don't respect the laws. They don't like regulation. They want a jurisdiction shop. They want to launch from some different country because they think it's more likely that their product will be legal there. Instead, why don't we inspire the next generation of creators on why do we make these laws? Who are we trying to protect? And maybe if you can build your product in a way that protects people, you might get a good outcome. You might learn to appreciate that. So the spirit of the law, that's, that's where we're at in front of us immediately. Um, long-term, I think as this NFTs and other technology are coming into mainstream, we need to worry about taxes more. How much of this is, should be, where should we be paying sales tax? Is this a product? You know, you're selling a thing, it's digital. Is that a product or is it a service? Or which sales tax categories does it fall under? You know, you, you can't just launch all of your products from Switzerland forever. Like you want to launch products locally. So you got to figure out what taxes apply. How is this similar to other products? You know, you can't, don't tell me you're selling tickets to your event but the tickets are sold from Switzerland and you're in Estonia. Don't, don't, don't tell me that. Don't tell me you're avoiding sales tax because you're selling tickets to an event through, you know, the Bahamas. People are going to that's not going to, that's not a good business plan. So long-term, you're going to see a lot more of that stuff. You're going to see Coachella. You can buy a Coachella. I think it's called an all access pass. There's like only five of them on earth. You get a Coachella all access pass. It's an NFT. You know, they're only selling five of them, so they don't have to think too hard about sales tax, pay it or not, doesn't matter. What about resale value? What about royalties? These are the discussions that, like you said, over the next three to five years, we're going to start thinking about. Starbucks. Starbucks is giving away loyalty points. Okay, cool. 
something people are thinking about right now is, are they securities? Are people transferring them? Are they going to be securities? I don't know how the storebooks um, loyalty points work. I'm assuming you can't transfer them. So it doesn't matter because you're not trying to resell them. So there's no Howey test that fails. But, um, you know, is, are there points? You know, is, is there sales tax on these things? Is there, are these accounted for um, in the traditional accounting system? How does GAAP apply? How does GAAP apply? You know, um, when you sell gift cards, it used to be that you can sell a gift card and then you could write it off because if nobody used your gift card, you could, you know, take 10% away per year. And then in the United States, at least, a lot of states said you can't do that anymore. So now if you sell a gift card, that stays on your balance sheet forever because people can redeem it 100 years later. How does that work for NFTs? How does that work for Starbucks reward points? What if, what if somebody burned the token and they sent it to a zero address? Can you write that off in the accounting sense? I think so. I think there's a justification for that. What if they send it to something that's not the zero address? What if they send it to the one address? How do we make reasonable assumptions here about whether that will be redeemed or not? Those are the types of legal accounting business decisions that are going to be really valuable five to 10 years as NFTs and other things get pulled into retail commerce. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, we should be starting to organize just special summits for the policymakers and the accountants and the lawyers so that uh, they would have a chance to come together and uh, discuss those things and not just uh, locally, but internationally, because uh, as you said, uh, different uh, jurisdictions uh, already have uh, different rules and thus some people have been opting to go for uh, the Switzerland or Bahamas or wh wherever. Uh, meanwhile, in Estonia, uh, things are relatively simple as well. So uh, uh, when we were uh, selling our NFTs, then uh, the uh, tax department called and said, hey guys, uh, congratulations, you sold some NFTs. Uh, and now please uh, pay, some, pay some VAT tax on them because we see them as a asset that you sold. That said, uh, so yeah, we, we went and paid off that part. That said, uh, when it comes to Estonian system, uh, fortunately, we don't have such a thing as sales tax uh, or income tax or whatever profit tax uh, as long as you keep on reinvesting. So that's where potentially different other uh, countries may want to become a uh, similar to Estonia, may want to start offering their services to the future NFT uh, creators so that uh, they would want to come to Estonia and some other countries that are less seem like a tax haven, but uh, that simply uh, allow you to do some reinvesting of your uh, returns. But I think, yeah, there's a lot of uh, gray areas still that needs to be uh, fully thought through. Yeah, and it's great to talk to these people. You got to, businesses, the next businesses that are coming, they really don't care if they're paying 1% tax or 40% tax. They just need to know they're not going to jail. That's the value for them. And even if you look at blockchain today, everybody's paying OpenSea 2.5% plus royalty fees for everything. So, you know, people are not allergic to taxes. Yeah, and so they did try to uh, go uh, past this uh, OpenSea tax and uh, past the royalties, but it seems that uh, the uh, for the last month or so, uh, people now have agreed that uh, it's actually better to have a tax system because in this case, uh, 
there will be uh, service providers that uh, uh, will ensure that uh, uh, everything works, as well as uh, creators would be incentivized to uh, keep on uh, offering new uh, value to the uh, NFT owners or whoever are using those NFTs. Yeah, quick story from NFT Talon last year. Um, at the beginning of the year, 2021, Estonia had about 3,000 crypto licenses. These are the money services business licenses or exchange, informally, I guess they're called crypto exchange licenses. And new rules came out for money laundering and money laundering. And at the end of the year, they had like 300 licenses, decimated the whole market. In the middle of that, somewhere like right after they announced it, we had NFT Talon. And those people were in the audience and we were in there together. I was moderator or I was on the panel and I've got regulators to my left. I've got investigators to the right. And in front of me is all the people that are getting regulated and nine out of 10 of them just got shut down. Nobody was screaming in that room. Everybody was productive. I, I mean, this was, this was government working. So they're trying to figure it out together. They're not trying to, get back at people. They're trying to figure out how do we stop money laundering? How do we help people? How do we work together? So, and you didn't see people like leaving Estonia. They're not like, oh, screw this. I'm going to go to the Bahamas. I saw none of that. I saw, let's work together. And we're going <laughs> to, we're not going anywhere. Like we're not moving our family to the Bahamas like uh, someone else. So we're going to, you know, work with you and we're going to, you're still going to be here in five years. We want to be here in five years. So, we got to figure this out together. Yeah. And uh, I think one cl clarification and one funny story on top of that. Clarification being that uh, many of those that got their licenses uh, removed uh, were never uh, based in Estonia. They had an Estonian license, but uh, mm. they only took it because it, uh, at, for some moment it was easy to get and now it wasn't that easy. So they left and uh, it was actually good for them to leave because those that stayed, they, uh, uh, they all uh, are winning uh, from uh, this regulation being clear and uh, uh, also fair towards everyone. Uh, the funny story is that uh, we have a neighbor, uh, Lithuania, and uh, they have been a little bit more flexible on their rules. Uh, however, uh, when you go and uh, uh, talk to their uh, regulators, who have been the ones using the flexible language and ask them, so, oh, uh, would you want all those uh, companies that we pushed out? Then they say, no, we actually only want those companies that uh, are still uh, regulated by the Estonia and uh, want to stay uh, in <laughs> Estonia. It's funny how that works. Yeah, so uh, lots of fun happening on, on that front. And, so, and now hey, the... The whole industry uh, here in Estonia is getting more and more mature. On the one hand, the regulators are stepping a little bit back uh, because they uh, were for a brief moment afraid of uh, different things. But now that uh, Mika came out in uh, Europe, then uh, they have a little bit be better borders on uh, what the rest of Europe wants to do. At the same time, uh, the, um, uh, the companies that are uh, here still, they are also... Uh, taking action and uh, becoming uh, more uh, relevant and they are more helpful for the government uh, with uh, the Estonian uh, Cryptocurrency Association uh, just now uh, reframing uh, themselves into 
Estonian Web3 chamber. Uh, so it's uh, moving on from uh, just cryptocurrencies to uh, the Web3 technology in general. And uh, yeah, trying to really get uh, everything uh, clear and uh, working. By the way, William, I'm not sure if you know, uh, but uh, as of last week, uh, I was elected to be one of the four board members on, on this chamber. Nice. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, talking about Estonia and NFT Italian specifically, then uh, uh, what can people expect uh, you to uh, uh, come and talk about? And uh, what's the biggest thing that you're looking forward to from this event yourself? Oof, talking? Put me on the spot. Yes, I've got two speeches written already, but really it's more, I'm more interested in what I'm here to learn. So I'm here to learn all the people I met last time. I want to meet them again. So if you're there, don't even think about not showing up this year. And I want to get deeper into some of these things we're not going to need for three years, like sales tax, learning about that. How does that work? And learning about more, more practical stuff. Last year I was talking about we had a great workshop. We're going to do workshops again and expanded. Oh, okay, let's talk about that. So from workshops, we had a, I think this was my best workshop that I was ever in was for best one I ever did in person was in Tallinn last year. And it was going to be just make your own NFT contract. So everybody in the room, there's a lot of homework up front. There's like 18 steps, but you'll get through it where you just, uh, you know, catch up in class and you make a smart contract and you make a dApp and you make a website and you deploy it and you connect it and you mint NFTs <clears throat> and it works out really cool. And this workshop was great because you might be on this phone call, you know, you might be afraid to ask a question. I don't see anybody raising their hand yet. Click the bottom left button if you want to speak. But, you know, some people come here and they think, oh, you know, this sounds cool, but I don't know how to do this. Or, you know, this is for other people. No, this is for you. If you arrange flowers or you can doodle, you can sell an NFT of that. If you work in industry or you work in retail, you know, you can make an NFT out of that. If you work anywhere, you know, and you just want to learn, this is for you, right? So these workshops show you that the stuff is pretty easy. My dad types uppercase, he got through this. So he got through this, he minted his own NFT, he made, he deployed a smart contract. The last language he programmed was probably Pascal, you know, in, in college. So you will get through this class and you won't ever think this stuff's too complicated. And of course, in the future, you're just going to ask chat GPT to you know, write the code for you. So this stuff's easy. The workshop was great, great participation. And everybody left the room with, you know, I, I did this. I did something. That was the best speech. Um, otherwise, we had a great panel. All these things we were just talking about with industry versus, or versus industry on one side and then, you know, regulation on the other side. That's what I'm looking forward to. And uh, when it comes to um, meetings and uh, specifically learning on your side, then other than the uh, VAT tax side, is there anything else uh, that uh, or who uh, you're looking to uh, meet? Just found my slides. I was stalling all that time. I found my two slides. So supply chain, uh, breaking supply chains, globalization, breaking supply chains. Um, that, was, that was a topic that we, were, we opened up last time. And I've been working on this for years, these slides. And... Really, the question is, how do we pull 
we've got a vision here, right? We've got a vision on how, how the companies are going to work together, how we're going to deliver products with end-to-end visibility, which is a crazy topic. We'll never get there, but we can make progress, right? So you've got a product, you're going to manufacture it, you're going to, you're going to get it through warehouses and all these steps, and then you're going to sell it. I want to understand each one of these parts a little bit better than I did yesterday so that, again, I, I don't think we're ever going to get there. We're not going to get to a place where you're going to scan a drug and see all the active pharmaceutical ingredients inside. And I've talked to people who make drugs. They really don't want that level of transparency anyway because they, they've, been, they've been on these audits. And I talked to the FDA and they're like, you don't want to know how we make this stuff. You really don't want to know. And um, so that's stories that you can only get over drinking, you know, that's, that's how you get those stories. But um, for other stuff that are simpler than drugs, pharma supply chain, and that are simpler, um, luxury goods is a great one because they have control over their supply chain. These are the stuff, I want to understand every step. I want to understand how does the brand authorize the product? How does the wholesaler work? How does reverse logistics work? So I just want to learn these, each one of these topics a little better in supply chain and then see, I just want to see how does this thing work and how can it work a little bit better with the next step down the waterfall? Because it's a waterfall. So that's, that's what I'm in it for. Sounds very good. And we're looking forward to having you uh, join for those uh, discussions as well as uh, uh, hopefully providing you the opportunity to learn uh, those, those topics. And on that note, uh, I would like to really uh, open the stage for any questions that we have uh, from the audience. And if uh, no one uh, puts their hand up, then I'm just going to start pointing uh, fingers. <laughs> so le- let's see. Jan, Pomnadi, Smallbly, Creator, Alex, Domliff, Guest NFT, Justin, Rami. Acid. Oh, first request. Good, Pabnadi. You just uh, saved everyone else. What's good? Pabnadi. No, I didn't have a question. I was invited. (laughs) <laughs> okay it was william that counts that counts what's good so are we gonna see you um anywhere near this event oh um are you just catching in for the the topics right now no i'm actually i'm actually very interested um this is something me and sandra have been like talking about privately anyway so, but usually it's a tedious process because i have absolutely like worked towards like getting the visa and stuff so but, but i'm very very excited um i i, I love blockchain events and I think I even posted it when I attended uh, the the blockchain event that we had in Lagos here some months ago, which was like the biggest blockchain event in Africa. So things like this are definitely things that interest me. And you know, these are conversations that we should be having if we really want the industry to move forward. So yeah, 100%, 100%, one percent so yeah, Bobnati is one of those uh, friends that we're hoping will get a visa to uh, uh, come and visit us uh, from uh, Nigeria. Uh, and uh, if not for some reason, then uh, uh, he's uh, also the, one of those reasons why we are uh, 
uh, going to be recording the event uh, and uh, this time releasing uh, not just audio, but also uh, a wow. video uh, after the event. That's big. Yeah, so William, ensure that you uh, wear the nice suit or hoodie because you will be recorded. I know, and I, I can't do that April hair either. I'm glad we moved it to May, so my hair will not be Einstein style. <laughs> so what's happening in April that uh, you have to have Einstein hair? Well, it was drier. Everything was just, it was dry, but it was like indoor was dry. I don't know. Everything was cold. <laughs> Wind was blowing. Yep. Let's hope it's going to be uh, much warmer this time. And no surprise snow one day before the event. Yeah, we're going to, perfect time. This is the perfect time to, to get to Tallinn. So I'm glad all of my complaining had an impact. Screen <laughs> capture and Alex, you're also with a speaker role already. Uh, would you want to ask anything from William? Uh, no, I did want to say I. Well, oh, uh, I, I'm not sure that uh, I have a particular question to William. Uh, hi, William, actually. Uh, Great to uh, have you here. Uh, but uh, I, I have been thinking uh, about this uh, crazy situation with uh, Trump's NFTs. Who were the buyers? Guys, did any of you buy any of his NFTs? I didn't buy it. Um, I want to remind people that, you know, some. I'm not going to say... Here's, here's, let's, let's pick a, something I can say about Trump that nobody's going to disagree with me. Um, people have different opinions about him. And everybody knows that at least somebody's listening to him. And probably that's enough to make an NFT interesting. So I think Trump NFTs are a very viable product. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's, at least it's interesting. It's interesting. And so whatever uh, is uh, the... A story behind all of this, then uh, I guess everyone always knew that uh, uh, something uh, released and vouched by Trump uh, would be uh, a good uh, flip and the price would skyrocket. And uh, that's what it did. I think it started with like uh, 100 uh, or so in cost and it uh, jumped to 700 uh, the next day. Of course, it did drop from there uh, like, like uh, any good pump and dump scheme always does. But uh, I think people were hoping for something like that. And these were the people buying it. And, of course, uh, also just uh, the fans. Because otherwise, in, uh, in all honesty, I understand uh, uh, that every president has always been uh, uh, launching their memorative uh, coin. Uh, and uh, the number has been around 50,000. And now just uh, Trump also uh, did it. But he just uh, did it in the form of NFTs. I'm going to draw something here. And I know Sander got his board ape by accident. So I'm going to say this. Um, I think you've got to compare Trump NFT versus board ape. Board ape, probably a, the biggest, most notable phase of its price appreciation is, I mean, that's, we, you can't talk about board apes without talking about the price, is Justin Bieber and other celebrities that came on board as publicly, I don't know if it's endorsing, but letting people know that you might meet them at one of these parties or that they own one of these things. And so I'm not trying to call Sander, you know, Justin Bieber fan. I'm just saying, you know, some of that Justin Bieber value is there's in that picture. Same thing about Trump. 
you can love Trump or hate Trump. You don't even know, need to know who he is. You can just expect that there's a lot of people that know who Trump is, and there's probably going to be some velocity on the price of that thing when it comes out. So it's worth looking into. Um, if there's another token comes out and there's only a thousand of them and you know that Taylor Swift is going to have one, you know, I would buy that first. So we have a Taylor Swift fan, huh? I'm just saying she broke, she broke the ticketing system. So, you know, imagine, imagine break, breaking the NFT system because everybody wants to buy. At least, you know, Ticketmaster doesn't double the price. Like, there's no feedback you know, mechanism. So she, the, I'm referring to Taylor Swift went on tour after some delay and then sold out all the tickets during the presale and everybody was upset. And it literally broke Ticketmaster, which is like probably the largest ticketing company on earth. And uh, many people were very upset about this. I understand people were upset about it because uh, some people were buying uh, in bulk uh, just to sell those with three, four X uh, profit. Only difference is if it was NFT, you'd sell it at a million X profit. But William, you you told me that uh, uh, the biggest misunderstandings is that uh, just by putting blockchain or NFT into your company, your stock price uh, doesn't uh, double. Uh, how come the price of uh, the tickets then doubles? Shouldn't. There's not enough velocity. There's not enough. The market's too small. So we were talking about Coachella. Yes, if you take five or 10 of your tickets and you sell them on blockchain, they will be worth more. If you take all of your tickets and you sell them on blockchain, there's not enough buyers for that. That's the secret. Similarly, if you're a band and you literally sell CDs or USB sticks at your concert today, which is something you can do. You know, if you go to a, if you're a cover band and you, you can sell CDs or USB sticks, you know, you can do that. But if some of your USB sticks are gold and they're limited edition and they're signed, they might get more for them. That doesn't mean that you should make all of your USB sticks gold and signed because some people just want to pay $10. You know, oh, I, I met this band. It was great. I would pay them $10 for a thing. There's a market for that. The problem is, is if you're someone who's like, I love this band and I would pay $1,000 for a thing from them. Well, the only thing on offer is the $10 thing. So they're going to walk away with the $10 thing. It's also known as leaving money on the table. So if they've got the $10 thing and the $1,000 thing, then some of those people are going to buy the $1,000 thing. But you cannot be confused in thinking that everybody wants the $1,000 thing. There's just different, this is called you know, price elasticity. Exact same thing for blockchain. So, so Trump people, you know, yeah, some people have a level of commitment with, with Trump where they would just want to follow him on Twitter or Truth or wherever he is. So that's the level of commitment. You know, there's some value. Maybe it's worth 10 cents economically to follow somebody on Twitter. Okay. So 10 cents, I'd be a, I'd be a hundredaire for that. Okay, great. But some people want to commit more than 10 cents worth of economic value towards the Trump, you know, direction. And so if one ETH is the price, you know, they're down for that too. So they would have either paid 10 cents or one ETH. But again, there's only, you know, thousands of people that are in that department. Very true. And when Twitter has super follow and you can set your own price and Trump sets it to a thousand dollars, 
and he says, you and your 10 friends can go and have lunch with me, it's going to be the same result. It has nothing to do with blockchain. It just happens to be that blockchain is really good at setting different prices, going to market quickly, and then watching how many other people are interested in something. What's up, Bob Nadi? Yeah, um, I'm thinking about what you just said now. I actually have like two questions. So as someone who is like a, a key advocator of NFTs and someone who is like actively promoting NFTs, um, you know, th there's a lot of bad blood. There's a lot of very, very uh, bad opinions about NFTs in general, um, you know, we just talk about NFTs are like being like a scam and, you know, we're just claiming to own photos that someone could easily screenshot, you know, photo that any other person could easily have. And I think this, this Trump issue is just going to like add to the idea that it's all like a cash grab. You know, it's, it's not based on, you know, like actual rational thinking or this kind of stuff. So as, as someone, I want to ask you now, as someone who like advocates for this thing, what, what do you think is a good response to some of these, you know, very dissent opinions and very, very harsh opinions sometimes uh, on NFTs and people who actually trade or own them? So everything's a cash grab. If it's for sale, maybe. So cash can be used, you know, money, according to Homer Simpson, cash can be exchanged for goods and services. So if the reason that you don't like Trump's NFT is because it's going to the Trump Legal Defense Fund or wherever it's going, right? That's, that's an opinion. But the same exact model, the same business model can be applied to global fighting global climate change, which I'm sure is already a use case, something that I've seen at NFT Talon last time, right? So these things are there. The model's the same. The difference is who's selling it. So you really got to understand that. And for you, because you're, you know, you're in the inner circle. We're, we, you and me together, brother, we're advocating, right? We, we're answering these questions for people. And so the way that we can do a better job is to just be more informed about more of the use cases that are out there. So if somebody says, I don't like a lot of these NFTs because they're cash grabs. Well, are you aware of the different ones that are out there? You know, is cash grabbing a bad thing in general? Do you hate you know, do you like socialism? Do you not like market-based economies? No, I like, you know, I, I like the West. Okay, well, maybe you just don't like Trump. Oh, yeah, I hate Trump. Okay, well, that's not why we're talking about this, but we're talking about NFTs, right? So there's other use cases that are totally not related to that. And then, you're, then you say, well, did you know, you know, Reddit has this? They're not even selling them. They're just giving you these things that you can use. Same technology, you know, they're not selling for it money. Trump is selling for money, but it's the same thing. You know, paper, you can write whatever you want on paper. It doesn't make paper good or bad. So don't give paper a bad reputation because of what some people wrote on it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. So um, going on to the second question now, um, there is, uh, there is uh, I'm sure a lot of people here know like Anxi Infinity and Anxi NFT. So there's, there's been like speculation lately that actually owning Axie NFTs do not put you in like outright ownership of the, of the, of the NFT itself. So for example, um, people are not able to, you know, to transfer their Axie NFTs to another wallet, except running wallet. 
you know, even if it, it's said to be like on Ethereum chain. So is it possible that, you know, there could be like an NFT project where people own NFTs, but they don't actually have the actual custody of those NFTs, even if they wanted to, like, does, does such a thing exist? Yes, absolutely. Just because you own the NFT doesn't give you the right to do things with it. That might come as a surprise to some people. Um, and even if you could do those things, it doesn't mean it's going to connect in the ways that you want it to. So some people are very surprised that they buy a luxury bag, serial number one, two, three, and that they are not entitled to take a picture of that and put it in Minecraft as their avatar. Nobody gave you that right. You don't own that bag. You own, you own the physical part of that bag. You don't own the design of that bag. You are not allowed to copy that bag. So this is, we're getting into intellectual property rights and people need to learn about this stuff a little bit more because some of the people in this space just think government sucks and there's no copyright. That's not the world. They're just, people just don't understand things. So we have to explain that to them. And uh, especially if you don't own the product, you know, you don't, if you don't own the brand, you can't use it willy nilly unless they allow you to. Also, people that have the board ape NFTs, a lot of people don't understand that you don't own that board ape. You don't own it. The word ownership exists under a specific jurisdiction, and Web3 is not a jurisdiction. You have a license to use it. You are licensed. You are granted a license. So these are the mechanics that are happening under the scene. So you've got to understand these words to understand what's going on here. Specifically regarding custody wallets and these things, there's not going to be the composability. So yes, they can restrict you from selling on OpenSea. A lot of people are going to really find out in January that if you add these OpenSea things into your NFT and you can't sell them on Blur or X2Y2 or LooksRare or whatever, um, you know, that's going to be a surprise to a lot of people that they can't trade their NFTs because, and then they're going to feel like, well, is this really my NFT? If you're telling me where I can and cannot sell it, that's coming, that's coming in January. Stay tuned. Um, but then there's workarounds, you know, we can wrap these things. We can compose in different ways. A lot of these things can be composed so we can, you know, you want to get this thing done and we're just going to have to be more creative in the way we're going to plug it in. Hope that makes sense. Uh, interesting yeah it does and i mean it, it's it's something worse to think about and you know actually like gain more knowledge about because it, it was actually a shock because you know we're talking of nfts we're talking of decentralized ownership right so you know what, what does that actually mean if we can you know do what we like with it i mean that's what i mean when i own something right i own you so i can i can do whatever i like with you but yeah, I, I guess in the way you explain it, it's, it's like a bit more tricky than that. So, yeah. Well, you own the <laughs> NFT. Literally just, in a, so if, if code is law and we're in Web3, we're inside the matrix, then you own the NFT. But all that entitles you to is exclusive connection to that number. If that number represents a thing outside of the matrix, then you've got Entrican's law here. Something like... Uh, your ownership of a thing that somebody else has custody of is only as good as your trust in the person representing your ownership interest. Yeah. Interesting. 
I'm just trying to scare you. Ownership is a tricky word. Just be really careful with the word ownership versus permission. If we're talking about things that are not on a blockchain. Yeah. And I think everything which is to do with law, as you previously mentioned, is something that uh, most NFT creators uh, and, of course, not even the users really understand. So it's going to be an interesting wild west for the next coming uh, months and years on that front. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, and that's uh, getting us to the point where uh, we should be starting to wrap up uh, with uh, the space here with uh, William. And for anyone that uh, is joining us at NFT Telling, uh, then a couple of things for you to expect there. So first of all, uh, there, uh, William will be uh, speaking there. Uh, we might even make him moderate something. Uh, he also has mentioned that uh, he wants to do office hours with uh, different uh, projects. So if you're building uh, something with NFTs, uh, then uh, uh, there will be a chance to go and uh, have a chat with uh, William. And other than that, uh, if you haven't uh, followed everything that we do with uh, Talent yet, then uh, we are currently, together with the local community, working on a ETH uh, Talent hackathon that would be happening the weekend before NFT Talent event. Uh, so it's May 5th until May 7th. Uh, and then after that, we will be following with uh, NFT Talent from uh, May 9th to 10th, uh, plus a bunch of uh, different summits uh, for the whole uh, week around it. So there's going to be a week long of uh, fun with uh, blockchain uh, in Estonia, Tallinn. And we're looking forward to having you there. In addition to that, uh, we are looking to make this into a series of uh, uh, spaces with our uh, speakers. So we're currently working out the details uh, with the uh, next speakers, but we can expect that at least after the holidays, uh, we would start doing uh, once a week uh, spaces with uh, uh, different speakers that are joining us uh, at the NFT Italian. We won't be going through all of them uh, because we expect uh, around 75 up to 100 speakers at the event uh, and uh, over 1,000 attendees, but uh, we will be uh, bringing some of them uh, to you. And other than that, uh, we're looking forward to having you uh, at the NFT Italian. And if you have any questions or if you have any ideas how to partner with us in the meanwhile, then just reach out. So thank you, William, uh, for joining with us. And thank you, everyone else, uh, for uh, bearing with us as well. Thank you. Cheers. Catch you soon. Catch you soon. That's all for today's episode of NFT Talent Talk. I appreciate all of you for tuning in. And I hope you'll time in for our next episode. Make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast if you found it valuable. It really helps us out. I encourage you all to visit nftitalian.com to learn more about the event and grab a ticket when you're ready. I promise you the experience in Estonia will be a worthwhile one. Bye-bye.